0: Before we get into this episode, I just want to state that in a few days, there is an election. If you haven't voted early, please go ahead and vote this Tuesday. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you how to vote. Just requesting you go ahead and vote. Now that's out of the way. Mic check. It is November 1st. When this comes out, it is November 1st as I'm recording it. Because this weekend has been such a pain in the ass, and I've not been able to get stuff taken care of on time. I'll go into that in a little bit. But October's officially done. My god, I can't believe how quick October went. Did did it go quick for anybody else? It almost seems like it started as a crawl, and then the the latter half, especially the last week, just blew right past. But I feel like that's just been twenty twenty in a nutshell. It's it's just unfathomable how this has gone. But we're we're done with the spooky season. Now it's time to to get in, into Christmas by just disregarding Thanksgiving, right? Isn't that what happens all the time? I hate the holidays. I'm tired of them. Just just. Let me skip into like March or April. That's fine for me. I don't care. But October's done. October was such a busy month. All the stuff that that was released, all the stuff that that was available for your viewing pleasure online. My God, just so much stuff. And I'm gonna talk about it. First off, the first two episodes I've done have been about an hour long. I'm I'd put money down that this is gonna be longer than those because there's been a lot of stuff that has come out in the last two weeks uh, to talk about. I do want to say that it seems like the first two episodes have had pretty positive response, and I thank you for that, whether it's just, you know, it's something else for you to listen to on one of Juggalo Judgment's off weeks, or if you genuinely are interested in what I'm saying about stuff that I'm listening to, or the other new projects that, you know, we don't have to worry about talking about at the beginning of Juggalo Judgment when it's, you know, a month or a month and a half behind. Um, you know, thank you. Thank you for uh, for checking these episodes out. Uh, tell me more that you like them because I need the validation. Let's move on. <laughs> I do have notes for these. i had notes for the last one too and I'm trying to think of what's going to be a good format for how I do these, whether it's talk about the CDs I've listened to first, then talk about new projects, and then talk about news, anything like that. I don't know if there's going to be a set way for me to do it every episode, because I'm sure it's going to be different. There's going to be times where there's slow news, and then it's just like, oh, well, I can talk about the CDs more now. It's going to be for whatever it calls for. This time, it's going to be talk about the stuff I got first, and the news is going to be pretty much the last three quarters of it, because there's so much crap to talk about. So let's talk about some of the CDs. Now, I mentioned before that there was a lot of music that I hadn't gotten in time for the last episode, most of it has come in now. Actually, all of it did. Did I get to listen to all of it? No. I have been bogged down with a lot of other stuff, unfortunately, so I haven't gotten to listen to everything, but I have actually gotten some listens for some of the other stuff, even some multiple listens, which is a really, really uh, big deal. I'm patting myself on the back for that because it doesn't always happen in time unless it's something that I'm really looking forward to. Most of the time, the albums that get Uh, multiple listens right out the gate, or stuff like Twisted or ICP, but these, uh, a couple of these that I just got have gotten more than one listen, and I'm very happy with that, because they're good. First one I'm going to talk about, this is going to be silly and I don't care, is Ninja Sex Party. They've released their fifth album now, fifth original album. They have three cover albums as well, but their fifth album, The Prophecy. If you've never heard of Ninja Sex Party, they are a comedy band, uh, comprised of Danny Sexpang and Ninja Brian. Danny Sexpang uh, a.k.a. Uh, Dan Avedon, is one half of Game Grumps. If you're not familiar with them, they do Let's Plays on YouTube. They're one of the most popular Let's Players out there, to be completely honest. Um, they are pretty much the reason why I watch a lot of YouTube now is because they just do stuff so consistently. So Ninja Sex Party have been around for just over a decade now. And this is their fifth original album called The Prophecy. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Their albums are never long. A lot of times they're well under an hour long. I think the longest one might be like 35 minutes or something like that. Actually, I think this one's, I think this one's like 39 minutes. I could be wrong. But one of the tracks is 10 minutes long. Uh, and it's actually the second track, the, the first official song on the album and uh it's it's almost like a rock opera but Danny Sexbang has one of honestly my favorite voices in music i think he's incredibly talented and their music can be nonsensical which is why i really enjoy it if you need anything to check out by them uh definitely from the from this album the song it's bedtime is a lot of fun also i don't know what we're talking about is also a great one from this album. Uh, A lot of stuff from their prior albums is is amazing as well, such as Everybody Shut Up, I Have an Erection, (laughs) 6969, Attitude City, there's there's so much stuff. So go ahead and check them out. Their cover albums are great as well. They have an incredible cover of Africa. It's way better than the one that Weezer came out with, and Weezer's came out after, uh, as well as an incredible one of Down Under. So go ahead and check out Ninja Sex Party. They are fun. You can find all their music uh, pretty much anywhere. And their music videos are very well done. Their music, honestly, most of the time, it seems like they make the songs with a video in mind. So sometimes the music itself doesn't translate well on its own. But once you have the the video available for the visual, it goes down even easier. And then you can listen to the music so much better. So go ahead and check them out. They're a lot of fun. I, I enjoy the music quite a bit, and The Prophecy is a great album. Next up is Jelly Roll. I mentioned before, this is Jelly Roll's second project of the year being released on It Goes Up, which is the distribution label, a distribution label from Strange Music, so for people who aren't officially on Strange, they put this out on there. When Jelly Roll came out with his uh, first album this year, I... Only listened to it beginning to end, I think, once. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's the fact that it was right at the beginning of COVID, and so I was kind of torn between a bunch of other things going on at the time, so I didn't get to put a lot of focus on it. The exception of the song Creature, which had Technon and Chris Calico, there weren't many other songs that I gave a second listen to. Again, I know that I enjoyed it. It's just for some reason something kept me away from trying to give it another listen. I genuinely remember liking that album, though. This one, I saw a lot of people say this is Jelly Roll's best work, that everything has led up to this one. I have to agree. I have not listened to a lot of Jelly Roll's early stuff. Most of the stuff I've listened to has been from about 2017 up, I think. Not a lot of projects, but I've listened to some here and there. Most of the albums I actually got earlier this year, I think I've only actually got four CDs from him, as well as the first project that he did with Lil White, and I think the only reason I bought that was because it had the song with Twisted, so I haven't even listened to more of that, and I know that I should, but this album, first off, I'm going to say, I I pre-ordered this, I tend to pre-order albums from Strange that I'm really, really looking forward to, Tech 9 Chris Calico always will get a pre-order from me, Prozac generally will also get a pre-order now that I am more familiar with his stuff, so I've pre-ordered his last, I think, two projects when they've come out and who else ritz i pre-ordered every single one but obviously he's not on strange anymore everybody else can be hit or miss so i won't really bother with pre-ordering anybody who isn't those main people that i mentioned but jelly roll is somebody who his style is something that i have generally been a bit on the fence of until more recently pretty much in the last year i've i've gotten a bit softer with that southern style and holy shit this this is one of the best cds i've listened to i listened to it beginning to end right whenever i got it and it's it's fantastic there's not a dull song on the on this album at all um i I know that there's stuff that i would love to honestly see if my band could cover to be completely honest the track promise track 2 is incredible uh the song with Ritz loneliness is goddamn fantastic but again there's there's no bad songs on this it's it's great beginning to end and i don't know if strange didn't want to sign jelly roll to a full contract or if Jelly Roll didn't want to be on a full contract and just wanted the distribution or whatever, but somebody screwed up there. Then again, Jelly Roll doesn't really fit with the current roster of Strange Music, which I guess makes that strange, so maybe he would. But this record is one of the best ones of the year so far. I genuinely believe that. Go ahead and check out those tracks that I mentioned. It's a fun, fun record. That dude can put some pain into his music. You can feel it. Everything that he is saying, whenever he's being emotional, that's genuine. And it takes a, a really special artist to try and do something like that. It's not easy. It's not easy. As somebody who's never fucking made their own music in their life, it's not an easy task. And so that makes it all the more worthwhile for me. But big shout out to Strange for, uh, if you're not familiar with how they do pre-orders, you generally get the album signed as well as a shirt that has a design from the album cover on it. The shirts are white, extra large, and I never wear them. Until now. Because this was a black shirt with the title of the album, uh, self-medicated, in a specific font I, I don't know it's actually not shown on the album at all I thought it was but it's actually not but it's stylized in like a purple to pink font which I'm loving because it reminds me of that kind of retro wave aesthetic that I'm a huge fan of and the shirt is soft as hell it's amazing I wore it the day after I got it and my god I love it strange give me more black shirts because I will do more than just get them out of the package and immediately put them in my drawer. I have shirts from 2011, 12, 13 that I've never worn because they're these white ones that just aren't for me. Maybe I should just sell them on eBay. If anybody didn't pre-order those and they want them, ten bucks each. Just go ahead, take my shirts off off my hand. I don't need them. I won't wear them. I was debating on maybe like tie-dying them or something, but fuck it, I'm not gonna worry about that. It's not. There's no point. <laughs> So there's those that I've spoken about. The next one is The Mausoleum by Zolalu. Now, this is one that I did something different with, and it's what I should have done with Jelly Roll, and that was I listened to the prior work. When I first got The Almighty, it didn't really hit with me. There wasn't anything super specific that stood out with the exception of the couple singles, so Forever Face, Axis Family, as well as Venomous with Twisted, which I think is still to this day, but it's probably the best track on that album. What I did was I decided to re-listen to The Almighty and then Church of Zool just to kind of reintroduce myself to Ala I loved Head of Horns, but... This was a they were doing something different with those records compared to the pre-ME stuff. And so I wanted to just give myself another listen and see. And I have a much greater appreciation for The Almighty now. I think it's a stellar record. And yet there's there's definitely more a lot more songs that I will listen to on their own now without feeling the need to just pass them by. Church of Zul is also very similar. While I still think that one of the best songs is "Zooligans," for the sake of it being kind of an upbeat and silly song, I like that from these kinds of ra- from from these kinds of artists. I think that those are some of the most standout tracks that there can be. So it kind of makes sense that I would enjoy those. But I enjoyed those two records now again, and Mausoleum blows them out of the water. They did something different with the production style. The production definitely sounds different than what we had with their first two outings on m n e but the mixing was also a bit more on point for me where I could hear the vocals better than before. Because of that, this is already just an easy listen. But I'll tell you what, man, if you told me that Dark Lotus had a revolving roster, which, let's be honest, it kind of did for a little bit, If you told me the Dark Lotus had a revolving roster and decided to go under a new name, I would have believed it. Because this stuff sounds like a Lotus record. This stuff, a lot of it could have been on the first two Lotus records. I don't care what anybody says. That is my opinion. You can take that or leave it. But nothing on this album is bad. I remember stating before that I loved the track Life whenever they released it. And it's still a standout for me. But... I remember hearing Blood Moon and Back, and I didn't really think all too much of it at first. It sounds better with the rest of the album. It really does. And I never really thought about you know, listening to everything in the context of the record. It sounds good when you're listening to the whole album. Because of me listening to the whole album now, I don't feel the need to want to, again, skip songs that maybe got unfairly judged before but tracks like Dawn of the Dead, which is the only one that features anybody. It features Monoxide, and I didn't even realize he was on it because he's just in the chorus. It's, it's a little bit distorted, so it almost doesn't sound like Monoxide. I thought it was just one of the members of Axe. But Mausoleum, that, that main track, is great. Life is incredible. Nails was great. Rigor Erectus, Random Acts of Violence, Mask Made Me Do It. This whole The whole album is great. This might be my favorite album from MNE this year. So far, we still have a couple others, but this one stands out the most. Now, granted, I did listen to Mad Season a fair amount of times, but Mad Season kind of sounds like a compilation more so than an original album. Maybe it's because we got six or seven songs ahead of time to where they almost were just kind of thrown together in like a cryptic collection fashion. But while I like songs on that record, it doesn't sound fully like a complete record to me. It sounds like we had a bunch of these songs, let's just put them out there for for the fans. Mausoleum sounds like a complete album beginning to end. And it's good. If you're into their style of music, I don't think that you'll be disappointed. I really like this one. This might be my favorite album from them. This might be better than Head of Horns for me. I'm not sure. I'll have to do some listening. But then again, I also haven't really listened to... I don't know if it's called Sicko or Psycho. I haven't listened to that album as much because I got it after the fact. And I think I gave it like one or two listens, but nothing jumped out at me. I know that that has one of their most famous tracks with... I think it's called In the Trunk. But... I'll have to do a bit more listening, but man, this this record was incredibly well done. Oh, never mind. This was mixed by Young Wicked. Of course. Never mind. That's exactly why. Young Wicked is a fucking genius. He really is. I don't fucking care. It, it, give, give him every raise imaginable. He deserves it. Straight up. So the other one that I have listened to, kind of, is Blaze. Now, Cadaver came out on Friday, on Devil's Night, and your boy did not get it in. This has been the worst year for pre-orders for me from MNE. I'm not going to fault them. This has been a bad year for everybody. But man, every pre-order that I have placed... Has not shown up. It hasn't even shipped at, as of as of today. Now, I know that people are getting theirs because I've seen people getting theirs. I pre-ordered that shirt bundle, and I think it said on the the description that the shirt would probably ship later. That the CDs would still ship on time, but I don't know. I don't have shipping info, anything like that. But I broke my self-imposed rule of not listening to something until I get the physical copy in and decided to give Cadaver a spin. I unfortunately can't jump out and say that this is amazing or this is terrible with only one listen that I could only get while pretty much in the car for the majority of it so I couldn't exactly focus on it. It does sound like Blaze, it does not sound like Casket Factory, which I think people will be happy with. It is not the next One Less G. I know that so many people are going to compare it to that. It's not. Stop kidding yourself. But also, if you think that it's better than One Less G, that is fine. Is One Less G Blaze's best work? I don't necessarily think so, but everything. this is all opinionated. We don't have exact answers for stuff like that. So, what I will state is that the uh, I know that one of the tracks that I that I enjoyed quite a bit was the one that has ABK on it. When they're together, it's it's about ninety five percent sure that you're going to have an amazing track. So I do remember that one. The track with Monoxide was hot too. I, I distinctly remember that one. Now, what's interesting is they did put the track they say with Jelly Roll on this, and I think I mentioned that before, which. That track uh, was originally put on Graveyard Grates, which you could only get from MNE Store. They have it available for streaming, but it's not been put on any other projects until now. However, this is not the same version. They made a new instrumental for it. And I'm going to be completely honest. While it sounds good to. For the sake of the mix, it's not as good as the original instrumental. And I'll say why, and this is going to sound stupid, and I know people are going to argue with me about it. When Jelly Roll did his chorus, which that's all he's on, when he did the chorus, he was given that original instrumental. And so, the ends of his lines in uh, in the first half and the second half trail down. They go down that chromatic and it matches with what the beat is doing, so it sounds in tune. Unfortunately, the new instrumental that we're provided with does not accommodate for that. So, while we have a new instrumental that works for Blaze, it does not work for Jelly Roll. They didn't ask Jelly Roll to you know re-record his vocals to sound good for this instrumental. What they should have done though was Make that beat, make that that song accommodate for what Jelly Roll had already put down, what you already put out. So it makes it sound like Jelly Roll is out of tune, out of pitch, when he really wasn't, and just throws me off. This is one of the times where I'm going to say that the updated track is just not good. It's I can't say it's not good, but it's not nearly as good as what the original was. I have no qualms saying that. There's people who are going to disagree. So be it. That's fine. I don't care. That's just how I feel. But again, I didn't get to listen to Cadaver more than one listen, and it was a listen in passing. Hopefully I get the record in soon, and I can give my actual full-on thoughts um, maybe next episode. We'll have to see. Now, I should mention another project that, unfortunately, I didn't get to listen to yet. I fully intended to, but I couldn't because, again, I've just been busy as shit. But if you'll remember, earlier this year, we were hit up by former Force 5 Records artist Scribble, who is now doing a new project that is called Napalm Drop. This is with a former La Nostra member, Big Left, and he sent us a email uh, asking for us to check it out. We unfortunately won't be able to do a full album review like we did with Quarantine Sessions. And the only reason is because we're actually behind on our own personal episodes. So we can't do that, but I did want to give it a shout-out, and I do fully intend to listen to it. Maybe I'll be able to give you a, a small review uh, in my next episode. But it is available for free download, uh, again, the group is called Napalm Drop. I believe it's just called Volume One, but you can check it out on uh, on Bandcamp if you just search them. You'll find it. And I mean, this is a full project, so go ahead and support them. Scribble seems like a, a super dope guy, and it was really cool that he hit us up asking for us to to look at look at it. And you know, he sent it to us actually a little bit early, which was cool. So go ahead and uh, and show cool. him some support. You can find him on his socials. You can just. Find find him on Instagram. That's where he. It seems like he does the most posting. So, go ahead and check him out. Check out Napalm Drop, and uh, let me know your thoughts. Because I uh, I definitely want to hear it. I thought that La Coco Nostra I had their album, their their first album that was on Str- uh Sorry, not Strange, but Subnoise, and I thought that was a damn good record. So I uh, I really look forward to checking out what um, what somebody who was part of that group what, what that style can be. Because I think Scribble is is pretty talented too. I did say before I wanted to get some of Scribble's uh, other projects. I know he had a, a physical album on Force 5 and I just never got to pick it up. I've been so bogged down with everything else. But it will happen. I know I will. So go ahead and check that out. As we said before, we can move on to some of the releases that are going to be coming out. We know that, again, Ouija is coming out with Wasteland this coming Friday. Fingers crossed, if I get this record on time, <laughs> the answer is probably no. But we'll see. This is his second official album. And I'm very, very interested to see what what this is going to be like. With uh, the fact that we don't have ICP on this, again, is still kind of weird since he is officially a member of Psychopathic Records, seems like he's literally one of two. It's, it's him and ICP. So not having ICP on this record, I don't think it's going to hurt him, but it is just definitely an interesting stance because it's very rare that an artist on Psychopathic doesn't have ICP on their record. What it does, does it lower the quality of the album? Not necessarily. You don't need to have the label heads on there, but I think that it is something that helps tie them to... The label as a whole and more people are more receptive of that. At least I was when I was starting to get into the music. It was how I was able to branch out to some of the other artists. Oh, Most Tasteless has five guest features by ICP. Hell yeah, I'll grab that. Oh, this blaze Dead Homie guy has got Violin J on a couple songs. Sweet, let's go. So we'll see how that goes. So Ouija is this Friday. Again, next Friday on the 13th, we have Red with his uh, project, Symphony of Sympathy. Again, I know for a fact I won't get that one in time because I pre-ordered that with the Freak Show Lunchbox bundle. It sounds silly when I say it like that. It was to get the the other Freak Show rarities CD, so that's the only reason why I'm not going to get it in time. So maybe at the end of November, <laughs> we'll talk about that. It's probably going to be the beginning of December. Let's be real here. I can't think of any other upcoming album announcements. We know that Crimson Crow is going to be coming out soon, but we don't know when. They haven't, they still, t, t, at, at this time, have not announced when it's actually releasing. And, damn, it's, it's annoying. It's really annoying. I want to know because I need to get money sorted out. <laughs> um, there is actually another project that is coming out, but unfortunately, it does not have a release date. And I'm going to talk about this, and it's going to sound silly. I don't know if I have on an episode or not spoken about the Joker. I know that I have on social media before. And I know that I mentioned that I was not a fan of him. That I thought that the dude just talks shit for the sake of talking shit. And that when your best track is a diss track, you should probably rethink things. That was in response to the song Sidekick. Recently I was made aware of a new project that the Joker is doing called MJGA which is make juggalos great again. <laughs> it sounds silly when I say it like this. That's going to be that's going to be one of my tags for for this show is it's going to sound silly when I say it like this. There's a video, it's like an 11 minute video, it's, it's like a campaign video or a speech of Joker in front of fans talking about how the Juggalo community is divided now and we need something to bring us together and he has something for that. So what's being created is this CD, I can't remember, I don't think it's actually called Make Juggalos Great Again, but, oh no, it's called Coming Home. I believe is what it is, which is a reference to the last track of Riddlebox. And it's basically a love letter to the Juggalo world. We got a song called The Juggalo Song, or Juggalo Song, I don't know if it's got the in it. And so I, I gave it a listen. I remember seeing the screenshots for it. And just thinking, what the hell is this guy doing? And so I checked it out, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. I was reminded of the fact that Joker has on his site, he has some music which you can download for free, which I think is always cool for an artist to try and reach new people. If you want to get new fans, give us something to, to check out. And so he has actually a compilation called Court Classics, which is... I can't remember how many songs, but it was all, it was just a compilation of stuff from his prior records, and I had given it a listen, and I'm eating every word I ever said, anything negative I've ever said. Maybe not so much about just talking shit for the sake of talking shit, but this dude is talented as fuck. He can rap. He can chop like a motherfucker at times. He has some comedic lines. He can sing. He can fucking sing. It's, it's like it's like he's an angrier version of Young Wicked. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. But I, I listened to this compilation and I was like, fuck, I'm about to buy all this dude's music, ain't I? And I'm not even lying. I know that I'm going to. He has literally a bundle where you can buy every one of his CDs that's out right now. Regarding the Coming Home project that he's doing, if you go on to that site, it's literally MakeJuggalosGreatAgain.com, you can pre-order this album. Unfortunately, it does not have a actual release date yet, which is not reassuring. We want to have release dates. I want a release date because I want to see, okay, do I have to pre-order this immediately or do I have time? The answer is probably I have time. However, I want to get this taken care of as soon as possible. But you can buy this album. He has albums. He has album and shirt bundles. He has album and hoodie bundles. He has album, shirt, and hoodie bundles. But what's interesting is he's doing a different cover for each Joker's card. Each cover is reminiscent of one of the six original Joker's cards. Each album, I think it's like $12.99 or something for the album. And here's the kicker. Because Juggalos will fucking eat up anything that says collector, or exclusive, or limited. Each version of this CD has one of six bonus tracks. Yes, one of six bonus tracks. Upon seeing that, I think that either that bonus track is either going to be a cover of a song from the Joker card that the cover is based off of or it's just going to be a song about the Joker card itself. You can buy all six CDs at once for 60 bucks, which lowers the price by the cost of actually one of the CDs. If you do one of those investor bundles, which he has investor bundles with all CDs and all shirts, all CDs and all hoodies, you can get one that's literally everything. All six CDs, all six shirts, all six hoodies. So you can order that, and if you do one of those investor bundles, you will get your name in the credits, which I think is honestly really cool. Not a lot of artists do stuff like that, and we're basically funding the album. Am I going to order this project? Yes. Am I going to order all six copies? Yes. Am I an idiot for doing so? Most likely. But I will say this. I need to give artists a fair shake. I need to actually go ahead and not just hear something negative that somebody else says and immediately dismiss them. Because I've done that many times in the past. I also can't take every good thing that somebody says for granted because if that was the case, I'd be a huge fan of BTS. And guess what? I'm not. But the fact is, is I've listened to some of his songs now. I think it was like 21 songs I actually have from that compilation. As well as some of the stuff from Trail of Destruction, which is his big like diss track album, and the dude's good, plain and simple. I can't stress that enough. It's it sounds good, and so I'm looking forward to it. If anybody, if you need any songs to check out by the Joker, uh, give me one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna double check the ones that I really liked from Court Classics. The tracks Slap Happy were. Slap Happy was funny as hell. Dead Horse, which is kind of a sequel to Sidekick and The Maestro, which. Uh, the Maestro was a diss to Tech Nine, and Sidekick was a diss to um, Swizz and Funk Volume in general. So Dead Horse was kind of just, uh, you know, we're, we're past this now. And one last round. I have listened to the song One Last Round, which is a it's six minutes and thirty-seven seconds long. I have listened to that song I don't know how many times over the last like five days, ever since I started listen ever since I listened to this uh compilation. It's fucking great. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I'm gonna be ordering this dude's music. I don't fucking care. Just I'm do I'm doing it to myself where I just get so much music and then I just uh basically drown in it. But I, but I always need more. I always need more. I don't have addictions to anything else except for music and Funko, so fuck me. <laughs> Alright, let's move on. A couple days ago, browsing on Instagram, and I see a picture from Clockwork, former member of Gorilla Voltage, chilling with Mr. Gray, also formerly of Gorilla Voltage. This was back at the beginning of last year, or the end of 2018, where it looked like there was a falling out. Where Gorilla just was dead. Clockwork was going to work on solo music. Mr. Gray was going to work on solo music. I think they both... I know that Mr. Gray released a, a solo project. I don't know if it was an AP or a full album. I unfortunately didn't get to listen to it. And Clockwork has been steady releasing singles pretty much every other month. So... It seemed like they had a falling out. I believe Mr. Gray said something about, you know, Gorilla Voltage is dead because that other guy wants to do more mainstream stuff. So it seemed like it was quite bitter as well that, you know, they just kind of stopped after a lot of people thought that Gods and Claws was an amazing album. Unfortunately, I didn't didn't give it as many listens as I probably should have. Uh, Although the track that featured the uh, lead singer of... Oh, I feel bad that I don't remember their name. I hate myself right now. Fuck it. The song is called Good Die Young. So there you go. You'll you'll check it out. Um that was the track that stood out to me most and but I didn't give the rest of the project it's it's fair share as well. But a lot of people enjoyed it and so to hear that they were splitting up was a bit disheartening. I'd been a fan of them since they were damn dirty apes, since I had first seen them touring with Twisted back in 2014. And so it was kind of a a bummer when they, when it seemed like Gorilla Voltage was the first project from MNE to unfortunately go belly up. Since then, we've seen that GMO is technically, I guess, not on the label anymore, which is, again, a bit disheartening, we don't want this to go the same way of psychopathic, but it's it's all behind-the-scenes internal stuff that I think a lot of us aren't going to know about. But, again, seeing this picture of Clockwork and Mr. Gray chilling together with a positive caption under it, I don't remember what it was offhand, but this is reassuring. It really, really is. I think the Gorilla Voltage has potential. If they can... I think one of the only negative things I have about Girl of Voltage is sometimes it seems like their lyrics are not focused on something specific more often than not. They do have some that are a little bit more directed but sometimes it's a bit of the issue that we have sometimes of flexing for the sake of flexing. We don't always need that. When you have half an album with that, that's rough. So, if we can get something that has a little bit more focus on something directed, I'm fine with it. If this means, because we never again saw that Gorilla Voltage was officially off the label, so for all we know, maybe this means that they will resume. I know that the mystery audio that I had ordered from uh, from MNE, I did get the Damn Dirty Apes CD, which, cool, I already had the original version signed, but Whenever they were throwing in that and GMO stuff, I was like, oh, okay, they're getting rid of the stuff from the people who aren't on the label anymore. Maybe I'm eating my words. Maybe we don't know. We're just going to have to see. Maybe Gorilla Voltage will be back. Maybe they will release new projects on MNE. Or maybe they'll do stuff fully independent. I don't know. We know I've seen people badmouth them, calling them the roadies of Kung Fu Vampire, which is such bullshit. But, I mean, what if they linked up? What if they did a full project together? I'd be down with that. I'm throwing that in the ether in the ether right now. Kung Fu Vampire. After you're done releasing Double Dragon with Buckshot, go ahead. We're doing a triple project. It's you and and Clockwork and Mister Gray. Make it happen. I want it. I want it yesterday, so that I can drown in it and not get to it for another couple months. <laughs> Let's make that happen. The other thing that has been announced, for sure, is on Friday the 13th, Friday the November 13th, is Boondocks has an online show. This was announced, uh, I don't know if I talked about it on the last episode, I I think that this was announced after that fact. Anyways, but he's doing a live performance, which is going to be, uh, he's headlining it, Uh, it's also going to have ROC, it's going to have Insane E!, For those of you all who don't know who Insane E is, he's kind of more local for me, actually. He is from Ohio. I think he's from the Cleveland area, but um, he used to be in a group called the Gemini Project. Now, I never saw them before, but I have seen Insane E many, many times uh, opening for Magic Ninja Acts. He does also a lot of the work, uh, the artwork that Magic Ninja does uh, they commissioned a lot of his stuff so if you've seen something that isn't drawn by madrox or uh mr eight legs it was more than likely done by uh insane e so insane e has pretty cool stage presence i enjoy his music uh and he's a very very cool dude i've i've chatted with him before and after shows and uh he seems he's a super nice guy And his music is pretty interesting. So I've always been kind of surprised that they've never signed him to a a contract at MNE. I don't know if if he wants one or if they don't or anything like that. I don't know how all that works. But uh, he's going to be one of the people who's opening for that show. So I look forward to it. This is going to be put out by the same group who did the Twisted Freak Show performance that was from Friday uh, live from and there is merch for this as well. So you can order the show itself, the streaming service for $9. If you order any of the bundles above it starting at 15 bucks, you get a sampler for Crimson Crow. It's going to have one full song as well as samples of other tracks from the from the album. And that is exciting for me. I love samplers. I do. I feel like we don't get them nearly as much anymore. Maybe it's just because samplers pressing the CDs nowadays for a demographic that most people now are streaming, it makes sense that it's not happening as much. Generation Nightmare, if you didn't know, actually had a sampler, but it was only available to, to stream, or not stream, but you could download it. I think it was like six minutes long or something like that. But I remember Casket Factory had samplers. Um, Hell, I didn't even realize until like last year the year before when I found it, I think it was at a a concert. They had Clockwork Gray samplers. Clockwork Gray samplers from 2007. And they sold those bitches for I think like five or ten bucks and I bought two of them because I just wanted them. I thought samplers are cool. Especially whenever it's not just like tracks like, oh, here's part of a track and then here's part of a track and then here's part of a track. The M&E ones, because when they did it for Casket Factory, and they did it with Clockwork Gray as well, it was like a big skit. Clockwork Gray has Blaze bringing in a boombox to try and get repaired, and like as they're like banging on it or whatever, it starts playing one of the songs. I'm like, that's cool. Casket Factory uh, did something kind of similar to that, but samplers are, are kind of a, a dead art nowadays with most people just keen to throw out – you know, a single or something, which is fine. It's that's how it is. I understand that. But I think samplers are cool. I actually remember back whenever Boondocks had one for Crimson Creek. I still want to actually get that sampler, but I remember hearing the stream of it. I think it was available to download for free. It might have been from Fago Lovers or Juggalo News or something. But I distinctly remember that one. And bad acting and all, but that was cool. So you can order I think they have, you can just get it with and get the sampler. For 15 bucks, that's what I did. Uh, they had a shirt bundle. They had a jersey bundle. The jersey was cool too because it's, it's a Jason mask but with Boondocks' face paint. So it looks kind of cool. But that is on Friday, November 13th. So go ahead and check that out. We'll see how, how that goes. I should also mention that Boondocks just actually released a new song that is from Crimson Crow. It's the first track that we've heard from it. He released it on Friday, and it's called K Seven Lethal. I think is what it is, and it features Saving Abel. Saving Abel, that is the like Southern Butt Rock band. I actually saw them in concert once, but only kind of. It was uh, I was in college at the time, and there was a it was a two day event that had Newfound Glory, Third Eye Blind, Saving Abel. My Darkest Days and Three Days Grace. Those first two bands were on day one and the other three were on day two and we were late on day two to get to the the venue and so we only saw like half of Saving Abel's set. I don't remember a single thing from it. But I like butt rock and so I'm like, oh, well, Saving Ables is a band that I should look into and I haven't at this point but Saving is on a boondocks track and it's pretty cool. That chorus is heavy as Fuck. It's loud. It's heavy. I think think they knew what they were doing with that track, so go ahead and check that out. You can stream that pretty much anywhere, and that's pretty much the only way you're going to be able to listen to it since we don't know when the fuck Crimson Crow's coming out. (laughs) Alright, let's talk about some of those streams, those lovely, lovely, lovely ICP streams. I missed all but four of them. <laughs> yes, for my 66.50 that I could watch three streams a week for the entire month of November, I watched four of them. Yes, I suck. In my defense, I had other stuff going on for a lot of it, and yeah, I've made that excuse a lot for this this episode, haven't I? Can I just say that I was lazy? Can I just say that? We'll say that. First one we're going to talk about that I thought was significant was the Dawn interview, the shoot interview, which was hosted by Chris Hansen and featured ICP, Jump Steady, and Billy Bill. Now for probably about half of this, I kind of had it on in the background and couldn't pay a whole lot of attention to it directly, but I still had it pretty near to me, so in case anything did pop up that I was like, I need to listen to this, we um, I was able to then just go ahead and check it out. And I'm not going to lie, there was not a whole lot that jumped out as this is necessary. I can't believe that, you know, we didn't hear about this anytime sooner. There was one thing that jumped out to me that I was genuinely surprised about. But first off, I, I I'm going to just say this. We we knew they were going to come out. We knew we knew that this stuff was going to be brought up, and that's M E. I'm just going to get it out of the way right now. It's nothing new that we didn't hear from the interview that they did with Fago Lovers back in 2017. Nothing new. This makes me kind of wonder if they really have anything to say anymore. Man, I'll tell you... I want things to be patched up between ICP and Twisted. But I don't think that it's going to happen. I don't. I really wish, but I don't. And I think it's just a matter of egos are going to prevent that from happening. So be it. But everything else on this interview was kind of just not important, except when somebody asked about Kevin Gill. I'm only vaguely aware of Kevin Gill. I know he's somebody who works with the JCW stuff and who has done some other behind-the-scenes stuff stuff with Psychopathic, and apparently he hasn't been seen by Psychopathic for quite a while. So somebody brought that up as one of the questions and they were talking about this time where they were at a gathering and he kind of just blew up on somebody who didn't deserve it and kind of acted like, no, everything was cool. And so it just seemed off. And so because of that, they just haven't been cool. Fago Lovers posted a article shortly after this. And there was a interview that Kevin Gilhead did, actually, back in September with Underground Nation. And this is a long fucking interview. I'm talking, like, this had to have been, like, a probably a couple pages worth in the magazine itself. And it was revealed in there. Now, you can... You can take this however you want. You can fully believe ICP. You can fully believe Kevin Gill. At one point, Kevin Gill states that they asked him to be the new CEO of Psychopathic for Billy Bill to step down and Kevin Gill was going to take over. That's fucking big. Psychopathic has only had two CEOs in their 30 year history. The first being Alex, who peaced out in 2000. 5 6 something like that. I can't fucking remember. It's been Billy Bill ever since. So that's a big deal to ask somebody who yes is associated with psychopathic but not one of the core people. However, in this in this interview, he goes on about how like he's trying to make everything as good as possible and one of his biggest focuses is JCW because he's the wrestling person. And it seems like he and Jumpsteady never saw eye-to-eye eye on that, that Jumpsteady was the one who doesn't really care about the wrestling. And so it's because of that that some of the JCW events at The Gathering were thrown together really shoddily and almost disregarded completely. I don't know who to believe on this, but the fact is is it seemed like ICP and Jumpsteady were just saying – I don't know if – I'm not trying to say it was a pre-thought-out story. Or maybe Kevin Gill's lying completely about it all. I think that the way that his interview is structured and worded maybe have been a bit embellished, but at the same time, there's got to be truth to it. I don't know. But for, for this being a shoot interview... Nothing really blew my mind. The only other stuff that we got for sure is that <clears throat> Excuse me. That Ouija Mac is the only other official artist on Psychopathic. Big Hoodoo is not. It also means that ABK is not. Which I find very interesting. Maybe I interpreted it wrong, but I think that's just how Violent J worded it. That it's pretty much just ICP and then they also have Ouijamac. We don't know what's going on with that label now. I take this all with a grain of salt. We'll have to see what happens. We don't know what's going to happen with with Psychopathic. I don't think they're going to go belly up. I think that they just have to reevaluate how things are going for the climate, for what 2020 has presented us. We just got to see what's happening. That's all. They also mentioned uh, Looney Goons, how that was supposed to go. Supposed to be all the people from the label that were going to kind of do old school style music, but then the choruses were going to be something kind of like Skrillex style. It seemed fucking weird. I, I I couldn't really get behind it. It seemed dumb and shit. Like I don't know, but that got tabled as about three quarters of projects too a psychopathic so unfortunately I don't have anything else for the dawn interview nothing that really stood out to me and so I'm gonna go to the second most recent stream the one that I was honestly one of the most excited for and that was you produce ICP that was from this past Wednesday technical difficulties aside this was fun the stream didn't start until. 20 to 10. And so what happened was it was ICP and for some reason Jump Steady behind the boards and we were getting to vote on what songs would be about. Apparently this was like put together a lot more in depth than I thought it was going to be. Some people thought that like Oh, we should choose the the subject matter. We should, you know, people can ask and be like, "Oh, yeah, that sounds fresh. Let's do that." That wasn't the case when it came to like uh, the topics. They had different subcategories for each other subcategory, so this was drawn out. There was probably hundreds of different combinations that they could have come up with. Now we didn't get to see them. Lay down any vocals. This was just to give the outlines for what the songs are going to be about and how they're going to be made. And I'm okay with that. I get it. So that's totally fine. We're getting three songs on this EP that we produced. This EP, though, that they're giving out is going to have more than just those three songs, which I think is cool. And I thought that was going to be the case. They tease that it's gonna have Jumpsteadies Turn this mother out, whether they can find the original version or if they're gonna force Jumpsteady to go in the booth and record a new one. But they did say there's gonna be more songs than that, so I think that's cool. But it's also reassuring because <clears throat> what they did was they had four different producers, and in each folder there were five different instrumentals, and Jay would pick one at random, and that would be the one that they'd go with. We'd listen to the track for about a minute or so, and then we'd vote. Now, there were so many technical difficulties during the first song that, man, it was stressful. There's some people who didn't even get to hear some of the instrumentals, and they had to vote. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, what happened was the first one was a massive, massive, I think it was like fucking 60, 70-something percent for Devro. I don't mind Devereaux. I think I just want a bit of variety. I think that his style works very well for what Ouija Mac does. But some of the stuff that I've heard with ICP, I think I just want something a little bit different. And I don't know what it is, but we pick that. Then we pick what kind of song it was going to be. And what kind of song they meant. Is it going to be a song that's boasting? Is it going to be a song that's a story song? Stuff like that. We voted on story song. Okay, fine. So this is going to be a storytelling song to this Devereux beat. What's the song topic about? And I can't remember what the first two choices were, but then the third and fourth ones were The Blob and Purple Panty Dropper, which was going to be based off of Prince's guitar that a guy finds and buys, and anytime he plays it, girls' panties fall off. So we voted for The Blob. And the more – and this was the cool thing was he's playing the instrumental as he's talking about these, and it's like, okay, well, can you – he's like, we will do whichever you guys vote for, but think about these as you're voting. Is this a song? Like, do you think of The Blob when you hear this beat? And the more I'm hearing it, I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. I'm voting The Blob. Then we chose what's the cadence going to be like? How are they going to rap it? and Jay would say what it is, and then he would give an example, like one of their prior songs of, this style is kind of like this song, and then he raps it. And the one that we voted on was Sing Song. Now, his description for it was Dead Body Man. You know the long-running joke we have here. <laughs> and I will tell you this. I voted on Sing Song because the beat called for it. I genuinely mean that. I was voting for stuff that I really felt would work. If my first couple of votes didn't work, if my instrumental that I that I wanted, which none of the instrumentals that I chose were the ones that got picked. I was kind of bummed for that. But it, a lot of the stuff was if I if I voted for something it either won or was dead last most of the time. <laughs> but I was trying to do stuff that made sense in my mind. So that's that's just what I thought worked. And then okay, is this a song that's gonna be just J, just Shaggy? Is this ICP or is this ICP and Jumpsteady? I was like, oh, people can vote for Jumpsteady on this. No, it's just ICP. <laughs> and I can't remember if there was anything else on that one. That might have been it. And so we did that two more times. The second one was the most fun to, to discuss, but and I'm not going to give any more on it, but I will state a problem that I have, and that's Jumpsteady. I like Jumpsteady. I think he's cool. However, whenever this was happening, Jumpsteady was like, oh, so they're going to vote and then we get a say in it too. And Jay's like, no. And Shaggy's like, I'm not even going to tell people what I like until after the votes are done. And I'm like, Shaggy, that's good. That actually feels like we have a say in this. Jumpsteady giving his opinions constantly, constantly before all of these were, were said. I fully believe these were swaying the vote. I genuinely believe that. I'm not going to lie. I don't think the jump study should have been there. But the fact that he had to give his opinions before the the votings were done, before the votings even started, he was like, "Oh, that Devro beat is hot. That's the best one here. I didn't think it was. I thought the straight jacket beat was gooder. Gooder. Oh my God. Kill me. Better. Jump Steady just made that a bit frustrating for me. I was just like, "Come on, man! I just want to to do this because I was having fun. I thought it was cool." It took <laughs> it took like an hour and a half to to make the first song, and then the other two went by like a lot quicker. Um, it was a really cool experience, it really really was, the second track is the one I'm looking forward to the most but hit, Jump Steady's input I think is one of the things that like burned me a bit because instead of voting for four things this was like the last thing on it the four things, he was like yo, all these are fresh, can we just put a, 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 a option E to have all of the above and I was like no because that one thing I don't like <laughs> that one thing I think is going to ruin this song. So why are you going to add that one thing? Nah, you're so loud. <laughs> Sorry. But what this one thing is just, I think, going to, to bring, bring the song down. And having an all of the above is going to throw it off. And guess what? All of the above got voted. And that one thing that I didn't like had the least amount of votes on its own. Which tells me that either A... Everybody likes everything else more and wants it in there and didn't care for the thing that I didn't like. Or they liked that one thing a whole lot and wanted to put everything else with it. And I'm like, God damn it. I couldn't win. Couldn't win for that one. The last one was rough for the instrumental. I They they chose a, a Shaggy the Airhead instrumental that I didn't care for much. I thought, again, I thought the Straight Jacket one was better. I thought the Straight Jacket one was definitely one that could have been used for a final track and the cool thing is is jay said that you know we have these beats and you know we'll they'll get used at one point so i'm like good so whether we hear this straight jacket beat that i that i'm talking about on you know Yummy on bedlam or on one of the seeds i don't know but i do want to hear it because it's fresh but man this the second track I'll just I'll I'll tell you guys what it is. You probably already saw it. It's called My Forehead, or it's gonna be about Valentin's forehead. I'm so hyped for this because I just need something funny. And it's over a Mikey Clark beat. It's gonna have Ouija Mac in it, and they're gonna be rapping about Valence's forehead. I can't wait, cause it's just gonna be so dumb and silly. I look forward to it. But the fact was, one of the coolest things about it was Shaggy saying at certain parts, like Wow, I can't believe y'all voted for that style. This is cool, because we wouldn't have done something like that if we were making this on our own. So you're challenging us and I like that. I'm like, that's fucking cool. Music doesn't have to be, you know, super difficult or super easy, but to give them something to change them up, I'm down with it. They were like, yo, <laughs> I think it was I think it was in a joke, but they were like, we should just have them fucking produce a whole album. I'll do that. Fuck it. Give me more streams. We'll do this. I'll set time aside. I'll produce your your record with you know, pick and choose. <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure of an ICP album. <laughs> I'm sorry if it sounds like my voice is is fading in and out. I'm I'm having to adjust cuz my setup is not the most convenient and so my positioning is also not the most comfortable. So, my apologies for that. So, if it sounds like I'm, I'm backing up and all that, it's just because I need to readjust because I'm sore as hell. Now, let's get to this weekend. This was the two streams that we had. Back-to-back days. Devil's Night. Freak Show, but Twisted. And last night, Saturday, October 31st, Halloween was Hallowicked. I was trying to decide on how I was going to talk about these because I actually didn't get to watch them in order. Unfortunately, due to absolute fuckery, I was not able to finish work on time on Friday, and I had to stick around for about an hour. And so I wasn't able to start watching the Freak Show show until... Actually, today. The video on demand was not available until Saturday night at 7 p.m. And while I, in hindsight, could have watched it and still had time for Halloween, Wicked, I didn't want to chance it. And so I waited until this morning, as I record this, to watch that. That said, I am going to talk about them in the order that they were released, as opposed to when I listened to them, because... I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. I want to uh, stress too, I was trying to – I'm glad I had this figured out midway last night through Hallow Wicked, but I was trying so hard to stream from my phone to my TV, and my – I was having so many difficulties with trying to get it to the Roku, and the Roku kept cutting audio every second. Like, it would, it would skip, and it was pissing me off to no end. And then I figured out how to just stream it directly to my TV, not through the Roku. And it was better, but the audio was fine, but the frame rate of the visuals was not as good. I just dealt with it, and honestly, it wasn't too bad. It was actually still kind of cool. So... It was it was definitely worth doing that, but I figured that out midway through Hollow Wicked last night, so I knew exactly what to do today when I watched the Freak Show. So let's talk about the Freak Show. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bit of put a bit of preamble to this. We've gotten called out before for overly praising Twisted while wow, bad mouthing ICP. I. I'm willing to bet that if I commented more on Fago Lovers that this one dude who I'm not even going to say his name because it ain't worth the energy, I would get called a Twizzler. For those of y'all who don't know, Twizzlers are uh, – that's the name of a person that the 17ers <laughs> will call the overly dedicated Twisted fans, Um, the people who just eat up everything that Twisted and M&E put out. The Seventeeners are the ICP version of that. It's, it's honestly kind of funny. Um, it's funny whenever ICP people – like like people who are more fans of ICP than Twisted are like, yo, the Seventeeners are fucking shit up. <laughs> and then the Twisted fans are like, yo, these Twizzlers need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> have we bad-mouthed ICP on this podcast? Yes, we have. Have we praised Twisted. Yes, we have. However, every time we've done it, it has been deserved. And every time we've done it, we've meant it. I will I will be the first to admit. I support about 90 to 95% of stuff that Magic Ninja puts out. I think that they are damn near on top, if not on top of what the Juggalo world can appreciate in consistent content. I know there's some people who don't like that word, but actively putting out projects. We, Juggalos like that shit. Yes, it can have varying levels of quality. It was like that whenever these artists were on Psychopathic. Let's be completely honest. Do not let the Rose Colored Sunglasses fuck up your perception of some of those records because they're not as great as what you may think. You're allowed to have your opinions on it, and I have my opinions. There's stuff that I like that people fucking hate, and I get it. I'm just saying. Not everything that Psychopathic put out in the past was amazing. Not everything that ME puts out now is 100% amazing. I agree. I fully believe that and I state it. I mean, God, I can already tell you in four, three or four years when we finally talk about Trapped, I'm going to badmouth the fuck out of that EP because I hate it. It's one of the most egregious forms of fuckery that I purchased. There, I said it. And I'm somebody who apparently swings from Twisted Nuts. We knew ahead of time what the Freak Show stream was going to be. They said that they basically filmed a show that was Freak Show beginning to end. We'll get to that in a second. First, we'll talk about Drive-By, who opened the show. Am I wrong, for anybody who saw this, saw the show, am I wrong in stating that I think that this was not filmed for this project? Because I'm not going to lie, I think that Drive-By's performance was filmed back in May or early June for a little event called NetFest. Because the stage was exactly the same. It is exactly the same stage setup that Boondocks had, that Blaze had, that ROC had. I think that the drive by set was filmed way long ago. For whatever reason, they did not put it on Netfest. Maybe it was because of issues with Psychopathic. I don't know or maybe they just decided to put it in the pocket because they had 13 and a half hours of content right there. That said, Drive By was cool. I've never seen Drive By live. I want to. I'm still to this day mad that the one time I could have seen them in Pittsburgh, I was still in college at the time. I think it was like 2011 maybe. I didn't get to. So they played they played a lot of stuff from uh Blaze and ABK's records. They played stuff from the first Drive By album, which I think is a choice because it's not great. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Steve, I mean, if you're listening, uh, disregard that because I know we have to talk about the first Drive By album in like a couple months. So disregard that. It's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. But straight up, I think that that was filmed. Uh, like, five or six months ago. Break show starts. And. I really. I call it like I see it. I saw people last night on the Halloween stream saying that they were disappointed in the stream. And I I don't blame them. I don't. I know people were bummed that they paid thirteen dollars for music videos. That's what they were. Now, we knew that this was a, again, basically a pre recorded show. We knew it wasn't technically live. That said, it was a cool concept. But I am fully against the idea. That this was necessary for the 20th anniversary of Freak Show. Which, by the way, that's something I didn't mention. Yesterday was the 20th anniversary of both Freak Show and the Bizarre Bizarre albums. 20 fucking years. 20 years of some of the most important albums in Juggalo history. And I say important, I mean it. Freak Show is, to this day, probably Twisted's most recognizable album. That, That album is what Twisted was about and what carried them for fucking years and you can't tell me otherwise a lot of people will say that Freak Show is the first album that you give to somebody who doesn't know Twisted and if it's not that, it's either Most Tasteless or Green Book plain and simple and Bizarre Bizarre as as dumb and silly as those records are they're pivotal to ICP's career. For being something that they just had to turn out to get out of their their contract, they have some of their most iconic songs. World" World's fucking great. Let's Go All The Way is fucking great. And even some of the other rando ones are just fun songs. But back to this stream. All of these were filmed... I think it was like one specific building. And I personally feel that they were lazily done. I I'm not saying that the cinematography was bad that it didn't take skill to accomplish it. But I personally think that with how Twisted were quote-unquote performing, if you put a microphone in their hand, it would have been identical to if they were at a concert performing these songs. Hearing that we're going to get music videos for the entirety of Freak Show. It makes me think, oh, we're going to get something like, I don't know, maybe we're going to get stuff like Story of Our Lives. Maybe we're going to get stuff like Ha Ha Ha. These videos that are a point A to point P B and have a story told with them. And these didn't. I know I sound critical, and I'm pausing a bunch, and that's just to gather my thoughts, and this is my thing. I'm not trying to come off as a hater. I'm just voicing the fact that people paid money for a stream that i don't think was necessary i should stress that late not last week but i think the week prior they announced that they added another option for like for you to view this uh, cause at one point the the cheapest bundle that you could get to to view it was getting the autographed flat as the the cassettes had sold out super quick. What they did was they added a dVD so for twenty dollars, you got a dVD and access to the show basically the cost of a dVD, which I think is i mean that's pushing it right now. DVDs are fairly cheap nowadays, but for twenty bucks, you get the dVD of the show and access to watch this. Could I have just bought this DVD ahead of time and that have been it? Could we have not I guess gotten our expectations up? It was especially weird when we got to songs that had ICP, basically had a guest feature in it that wasn't twisted or wasn't readily available. The songs that had ICP were obviously cut short. One of them, I swear, I think it was What the Dead Like. (coughs) Excuse me. I think it was... God, it was like maybe a minute and a half long because they just had to cut all of ICP out of it. Where it's going down has 3-6 Mafia in it, and man is that jarring to cut out them. But they had Blaze and ABK for that. I'm not going to lie. The videos, now that I think about it, it reminds me of the Triple Threat video that that Twisted released. They did back in 2012. I think it was when they did that. Like, way after the fact. I think it was like seven years after. It was a lot of walk around, hand gestures, and that's it. They didn't even do one for We Don't Die. They just... Played the music video from 2000. I don't blame people for being disappointed. I really don't. I think that if this was just something that was sold as a DVD. That said, hey, we did this kind of cool thing maybe showed like teasers of it on MNE's site on you on their YouTube and you just put the DVD up for sale and did those kinds of bundles with the merchandise with the jerseys and all that shit. I think more people would have been keen on it. Because of this, I really hope that the Boondocks performance on Friday the 13th is a live concert. This is the thing that that I'm saying is people don't understand that you don't have to like absolutely everything that comes out by an artist that you like. You're allowed to have opinions. You are allowed to state that no, that's not for me. There's a lot, a lot of people who feel that these artists that they like can do no wrong. It's, it's for a lot of people, it's a honeymoon phase. There was a while when ICP could do no wrong to me. And times have changed. There's times where I thought that Twisted fucked up before. This might be one of them. I thought the concept was cool, but the execution left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. And it's vivid in my head. I mean, I just watched it this morning. So I really wanted to speak about that first because I didn't want this to be something you end on. And be all sad and depressed and shit and be like, oh, well, that fucking sucked. Way to go, Mike. Ruined our fucking week right from the get-go. It's not the case. Twist, that I love you guys. And I look forward to the next project, which is going to be called Revelation. That was announced. I can't believe I didn't say that earlier. Started announcing it by, I guess, letter by letter, and it at first it was R E V U. I thought it was gonna be Revulsion, and then they fucked up and said it's Revelation. <laughs> so that's gonna be the hip hop project that's supposed to come out this year. But anyways, yeah, the the Twisted Freak show stream. A lot of people were not happy with it. And I I totally get it. It was it was a bit of a downer. Now that said, before the show started They did announce that on December 30th, which is a Wednesday, there will be Attack of the Ninjas. Please be live. Please. Please be live. Please don't do something like what we just had. I know that there's a lot of preparation in, and it's a lot of effort that needs to be put into it. I get that. But Don't shortchange your fans. I think that there's a lot of people who are going to feel burned on this and they're going to be very leery of future projects that might have a similar connotation to them. So, I don't know. This one just fell a little short for me. I'm happy I'm going to get this DVD because I think it's going to be a cool collector's item. I guarantee it's going to go for a lot on eBay since this was the only way to get it. But then again, they're probably going to sell the shit later on if they have extras. I don't think they're going to be made to order. But that's just me on it. Twisted Freak Show, 20th anniversary performance, quote-unquote performance, was just fell flat to me. But fuck that. We're not ending on sad shit. We're talking about how Wicked. My God, I wish I wish that I would have taken time into account in the fact that none of the streams have gone on at their regularly scheduled time because I could have watched Freak's show, been disappointed, and then watched this, and then all would have been right with the world. But I would have probably been very tired because, man, this shit was fucking long. Man, it was long. <laughs> Halloween didn't officially start. They didn't get it rolling until about 20 to 10. That seems to be an ongoing theme. We got Clownvis as our MC going in between. And I've never actually uh, seen anything about Clownvis. I've heard that they've been doing stuff with him. I did not see him at the... uh, I know that ICP, whenever they came to Pittsburgh, I think it was last year, Clownvis was with them. I did not see that show. And so I know nothing about this guy. I know that he's a comedian, and Clownvis is just a, a personality that he does and so yeah he's a a clown elvis impersonator he does do some of his original music and i'll tell you what i thought some of it was pretty fresh i was kind of bummed that uh there was one that he he did that i guess is new he'd never performed it before he but it was a new song just called woke i was like man this is a bop i love this i wanted to find it and download it right then and there it's not there God damn it, Clownvis! Am I gonna be following Clownvis now? Maybe I don't know. He did another song. It was like a universe song or something like that. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, also, the uh, sucking on a chili dog, <laughs> which is which is Jack and Diane, where you just say sucking on a chili dog over and over again. <laughs> if you've never seen that, uh, he does have like go. Uh, look up Clownvis sucking on a chili dog. That sounds terrible. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But go ahead and find that on YouTube because he he does that at shows I guess and it's very fucking funny. So he was our in between dude. He also did uh, some some comedy. Funny guy, you know what? I'll I'll give props for that. I thought whenever they first like linked up with this dude, I thought that it was just kind of what are you guys doing? Like, what is the purpose? Is this just is he making fun of us? But he's not. Like he's totally in on the joke of. Juggles, we're all a joke. Let's be real. We're real. But we're a joke sometimes. And sometimes you gotta laugh at yourselves. He was fun. I dug it. We had an opening set by... Big Chronic, I think was his name. A horrorcore artist who was doing... Stuff over other people's instrumentals. I heard some stuff that I recognized. He fucking covered Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. I don't, I don't know what what compelled this guy to do that. Why, why do you take one of my favorite Britney Spears songs and rap or sing to it in the typical horrorcore rapper voice? You know the voice I'm talking about. I don't have to try it. <laughs> it was so silly. It was so silly. It was weird. He was he was up there, he did his stuff and sure. Great. It was something that happened. Big Hoodoo came out three times. <laughs> Why three times? Well, let's start. Let's start this off. So he came out to the first track off of his new album, uh, "The Houdini Chronicles," uh, the Red Book, and so it's it's a, a very subtle instrumental. And at one point, he says uh, the the lyric is something along the lines along the lines of, "blah blah blah," and performed at the gathering. And then the music cut. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. That's a good way to like." Set something like, oh, Gathering, Juggalos, yeah, this is cool. And he was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, the music cut by accident. Oh, okay, well, fuck. I guess, uh, shit. So he's like just talking and killing time for like eight minutes. And then I'm like, oh, okay, we got to sort it out. We're going to do this again. And so he <laughs> leaves. Mind you, again, Hello Wicked is taking place from Balanjay's living room, okay? There's Juggalos in Valenjay's house, chilling, and... Yeah, they have a stage set up at the front of the living room. It very intimate setting. We'll just say that much. So yeah, they leave, and then I think they like cut to a, a commercial, which is them like playing a music video or something, and then they come back in and they do the same song, <laughs> and they do it beginning to end, and it's fine. And then uh, the music doesn't come back on.) <laughs> 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 oh, man, Big Hooju just got like screwed over like once, one time after another. They get the stuff sorted out, they leave again, and then they come back in. They don't play the same song three times, so that's fine. And uh, he does the rest of his set, and it's it's live. Hoodoo, I've never seen him perform live, unfortunately, but I, I told you guys before that I loved his new record, the, the Houdini Chronicles of Red Book, and he played, most of the stuff he performed was from that. I don't recall. I'm, I'm sure that some of it was from Asylum. I don't think any of it was from... Crystal Skull, but everything I remember was from the newest record, which again I think is fucking great. Go check out that record; it's so goddamn good. So Huda was in and out. He's got he's got good stage presence, though. So I could definitely imagine him getting uh getting a crowd moving during a uh, during an actual concert. A lot of people were kind of reserved for this show, which I get because, you know, you're kind of like scrunched in there and yeah, you can't be having everybody move around all willy-nilly, but yeah, he was he was moving around. It was fun. It was cool. A little bit of Clownvice in between there. And we get Ouija Mac. It's funny when I remember that I have seen Ouija Mac in concert before, and that was on the Fury Fest? Slam Fest. Slam Fest tour. That was the one that uh, Shmeev and I did and we both met ICP. So that was the second time I met ICP, I think. And yeah. The uh, Ouija it's it's funny because there were times where Ouija uh, I think was missing his place on his music. So he was just letting it play because a lot of his stuff wasn't just the instrumentals, it was playing the full tracks. Which I kind of get because sometimes you want the vocals doubled up, but it's almost like handicapped karaoke. <laughs> so it wasn't bad, but Ouija did uh, a lot of stuff from the recent releases. He did a couple tracks from Gutterwater. I don't think anything was prior to Gutterwater. I think everything has been on his uh, psychopathic stuff and up. And I think he did at least one track from Wasteland. So. And I I do recall I I liked it so. Get getting my hopes up for that, but I also realized that like there were some songs that he performed that I'm like man I haven't listened to these since that mixtape came out I need to go ahead and, and check them out again, cause they were fresh. So, Ouija, once we get back to, once the world starts getting back to normal again within the next what year two more I don't fucking know, and uh, Ouija goes on tour. If, I mean, if he tours on his own, I'll go and see him, because I got my special t-shirt that gives me free VIP. <laughs> I sound like a dickhead like that. But no, I would, uh, I, I'm would. i more inclined to see a show with Ouija Mac now. Like I said, when I first saw him, I, I didn't really pay as much attention. I think I think Gutter Water was out. Yeah, Gutter Water was definitely out at the time. But I was more into the fact that Light was also performing at the same time, and I liked Light. Um, so... Yeah, Ouija Mac was was in and out. The set apparently, his set went like kind of long, so people were like, "One more song, one more song." And he's like, "We're gonna get in trouble because we're already behind schedule." But fuck it, he'll play one more, and they they got a uh, Human Waste. So I need to listen to that track again because man, that's I forgot how hard that song goes when that beat hits. So Ouija set done. We get Clownvis back for a short moment. So he did his, his magic set, which was fun. <laughs> and then the part that everybody wants to hear about. I've never been to a Hallowicket in my life. For all I know, I probably never will get to one unless they do a traveling Hallowicket. But I guess it's not really Hallowicket unless you're seeing it in Detroit. Or, in this case, in Violent J's living room. <clears throat> ICP come out dressed as a Legion of Doom. Super cool. They came out with the, the big spiked football pads. Face paint just like them. Violent J as... Animal had his hair cut just like it, too. Now, he had a full head of hair. Not a full head, like, not long or anything, but he had hair on all his head earlier this week when they did the ICP uh, you produce. But he must have just got his hair cut yesterday for that. And (laughs) Shaggy 2 Dope. Shaggy 2 Dope let his mustache grow. I could tell that. But he's bald. Like, I think he shaves his head consistently. So I believe he just used... Face paint on the top of his head for the uh, the the two like the dual hawks that uh, that road warrior hawk had. So it was definitely a bit jarring because that's the most that it's one thing to see like violent Jay and Shaggy Tuda without face paint. You don't see Jay with without his face paint as much as you have Shaggy. I know for for sure, but it's kind of weird because obviously their whole faces weren't painted so it was just it was a different look and I, it was it was kind of jarring the whole night but it still looked cool as hell and again this set was acoustic acoustic they done prior to this one they did I think uh, I think someone told me they did three acoustic sets and some of the songs that they did had never been done acoustically so <clears throat> some of these prior ones must have been shorter sets or they just decided now this isn't the song that we're gonna do for it so they had a uh, an actual acoustic group. I know for a fact that... Uh, I feel bad that I I couldn't remember the one guitarist because he was new to their group. But we had DJ Clay there. We had Lil Pig, who was the drummer from Zug Island. And we had Razor Ray from Motown Rage. I actually, whenever this group came out, I saw the guitarist. I'm like, is that Razor Ray? And... As silly as it is because maybe people wouldn't recognize him because he – Motown Rage, with their one album they, re, they released on Psychopathic, they didn't have any music videos. So Razor Ray was – I think he was in the video for Jealousy, which was on Violent Jays The Shining, and he was also in the Psychopathic The Videos DVD introducing one or two videos. So he looked a bit different, but I was like, is that reason right? And then when Violent J, like, midway through the set was talking about who, who it all was, I was like, oh, hey, shit. That's cool. So that's cool that they're, like, on good terms. Because there was, apparently there was, like, some talk that, like, Motown Rage were pissed that they only had one album signed. Eh, I, I, I digress. I digress. We're talking about Hollow Wicked. We're not talking about Motown. Rage. We're talking about Hollow Wicked. Fuck it. So anyways, these songs were acoustically done, and they started out with uh, Dead Body Man which I thought was, was probably a good choice. And it really set the tone for what these songs are going to be like. And man, I could not imagine what a acoustic ICP was going to sound like. It's different. It's so weird. It's so weird, but it's it's cool. It's actually cool. I don't know what about it made me like, giddy and laugh about it but not like laugh at stupidity, laugh at this is just great, this is fun what I did notice um, they were having some sound issues about midway through they got it taken care of where they were hearing like an echo because I know that the second track I can't remember which what the song was I think it was 50 bucks they were having issues where the They were behind the beat or something, so there was... At first, they were having issues where they couldn't actually hear the band. The band is right behind them, but they couldn't hear them, obviously, because the stuff is, like, hooked up. And then they were also having issues because then they were hearing the music twice, so it was echoing. Throwing shit off. But what happened was, is after every song, ICP would talk a little bit. They'd talk about the song and be like, yeah, we made this song because blah, 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 blah. And this song was... Cool because blah blah blah. blah. From about the third song on, what was interesting was there was a music stand set up near Shaggy, and he has like this this like notebook. And I'm like, oh, it's for Razor Ray, you know, just to check. No, this notebook is literally Shaggy's lyrics. If you guys weren't paying attention or anything like that, yeah, Shaggy straight up read from his read his lyrics from this book for. About two-thirds of the songs. I kid you not. Now, granted, they did say that a lot of the songs are songs that either A, they hadn't performed live in forever, so they may not have heard them since the last time they performed them, or B, they were adding verses to songs that when they performed them live, maybe they only did the first one. So I I think that they said that that was the case with uh, 50 bucks. They generally only do the first verse and then it cuts to like that like breakdown and then into the big chorus at the end. So it was just really really weird to watch Shaggy Tudor reading his lines. But you know what? I have no room to to argue. We mentioned this before, uh, Shmeev and I are in a group, we're in a cover band that we're having our first official performance actually in just under 2 weeks. And I do lead male vocals and I don't necessarily have the worst time trying to memorize lyrics, um, but I do have some difficulties here and there. If any of you guys know the song Two Princes by Spin Doctors and don't actually know the words to it, go ahead and play it and, listen, and, and bring the lyrics up on Genius or something, and you will see that A, these lyrics make no sense. It's a stupid song. And B, it is very, very easy to get confused as to what the call and response is I have to memorize technically only I only got to memorize like half the song because I'm doing it with uh, another person but I'm struggling so hard <laughs> to memorize this fucking song <laughs> and it's not even like a whole long song it's just it's fairly short and it came out in the 90s and I should know it and it's the one song that I'm having the worst trouble with a couple of the other ones I'm like oh I gotta you know figure out a tiny tiny bit more but this one fucking song is the bane of my goddamn existence right now. So if you want to see anything about that band that we're in, it's called Quirk. You can go ahead and find that. I have posted about it on my uh, Instagram and my uh, Twitter and stuff. I think if you go on Instagram, it's like Quirk, Q-U-I-R-K, either Quirkburg Music or Quirk Pittsburgh or something like that. I don't remember, but yeah. Go ahead and check us out. We have a couple. There's a couple of videos of us in practice and whatever. Anyways, I just wanted to say that Shaggy, I feel for you. It just looked kind of silly. <laughs> Maybe I'll make like sound like like big like cardboard cards for the audience to say like what the call and response is. We can have their input. That'll be fun. One of the fun ones that they did that I really really enjoyed was the Nedden game. Hearing the acoustic guitar on that was was actually very, very nice. I enjoyed it a lot. It reminds me, though, that they were, I think last year, supposed to release a CD that was acoustic versions of a lot of their songs. So I don't know why we didn't get that. This was in this was that uh, issue where last year we were supposed to have four CDs released by ICP, three of which were going to be... Just compilations of stuff that had already been released, but the only and one of them was going to be the acoustic CD. And the only thing that came out was uh, the supervillain CD uh, Hit List, and it came out like long after it was supposed to. So, <clears throat> excuse me, make this acoustic album, put it out. I'll 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 get it. You guys sold me on the idea. It was honestly, it was genuinely really really fun. I was having a blast listening to these songs, whether they were the Halloween ones or just the random ones in their repertoire. Hearing Play With Me from Jekyll Brothers was super cool because I love that track. I love that one. And they did that one acoustically. So, they, they had a good selection of stuff, but I was also surprised at some stuff that I didn't hear. I... I kind of really thought we would have heard Homies, but maybe it's because there was nobody to do any like final verses on. Maybe that's why. I don't know. They performed Falling Apart from Missing Link Lost. I thought that was very interesting. So we heard that, but there was nothing from uh, Found. There was nothing from Fearless for Fury. I don't even think that there was anything from... Was there anything from Bang Pow Boom or Mighty Death Pop? I don't think there was. It's really weird. It's really weird. It's something I'll have to think about. I might have to go back and check it because I can still view the concert itself. But they were doing some songs that were were very interesting, but worked really well. So you know what, ICP, I I got faith in that. They unveiled the new art for the fifth card of the second deck for Yum Yum Bedlam. I took a screenshot of it. I actually had my phone ready for that. I took a screenshot, posted it up on on the Twitters So Yum Yum Bedlam, the color scheme is uh, pink and green. At first I almost thought it was purple, so I was like on the end of the riddle box, I, I was going to be pissed. But no, this is, this is pink and green. And she has a plant coming out of a vase that has the hatchet man on it. I'm willing to bet that she has he did say that there are two faces, though. And now looking at it, I understand why, because so you see uh she has three little plants towards her base, which I'm guessing are gonna be the seedlings. So the separate EPs that were mentioned before are each gonna have, I'm guessing, one of these seeds. Her arms uh are Venus flytrap hands, and it looks like her face, it actually is zigzagged down, and I'm guessing that she, her face as well, is actually a Venus flytrap. So I'm very, very interested to see what that full, the the second art is going to look like. What I find interesting is they said a uh, shout-out to Tom Wood. Now, for for those who don't know, Tom Wood has been doing a lot of the art for psychopathic he does a lot of the, the heavily detailed stuff, so if anybody has seen the art that's featured on the Into the Echo side cards, that that is done by Tom Wood. His stuff is fucking incredible, and it sounds like he's the one who drew this, which I'm honestly very surprised. I've always been under the impression that Too Dope is the one who draws all of these, and if he didn't draw this, then that's very, very interesting, um, which makes me wonder if... He- I don't even know if Too Dope even drew Fearless Red Fury. I think he drew Death Pop. I would think he did. And probably Bang Pow Boom, but I don't know. So if Shaggy didn't draw those, okay, fine. But it sounds like Tom Wood did this one and it's a a cool-looking Joker's card. It really is. I don't think any of the Joker cards look stupid, to be completely honest. I think that each one is unique for what the album calls for. And This one looks cool. I'm very excited to see what the second art is for it. And I just need to say this. Hollow Wicked was a blast. I'm sure that the people who were there had an amazing time. It looked like it. That the people who were there were having a lot of fun, especially whenever ICP was up there. I'm glad that I talked about this after the freak show one because they were night and day performances. I need to need to just say something that like ICP is the reason that I listen to all of this music nowadays. If it wasn't for them, Would I be listening to Twisted? Would I be listening to Tech Nine? Would I be listening to Suburban Noise Records? Would I be listening to any of these other people who are associated with the Underground? The answer's probably not. I more than likely would have just gone straight up with the alternative slash butt-rock crowd eventually and stuck around with that. Things would be way different if that was the case. Throughout that entire performance last night, I had a smile on my face. There was a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. This feeling has been around for a bit. To be completely honest, I started feeling this way after I got that new hatchet charm. After I retired the 07 one, which I then sold... Uh, it made its way over to Japan, actually. After I sold that and had my new one set up, anytime I put that new charm on, I just—I got a smile. I remember way back whenever I started listening to the music, when the the feelings of you know positivity were really really high where I was hearing these messages and just thinking nothing but positive stuff with it and that just being the main thing that got me through sometimes even the shit that was you know depressing or negative or inherently bad it's music I don't really take out the negative stuff and apply it to how I have to act. There is a certain magic with this style of music. There is a certain level of belonging that people can get out of it. I remember when... Bang Pal Boom came out, and whenever it was even announced, being so overly excited for it to come out, people who'd been listening for ages were pissed because of the idea of a new deck of Joker's cards. Me, I missed the first deck. I wasn't going to get that same joy or excitement for any of those other cards. This was mine. Bang, pop, boom comes out. Hooked. I'd already been listening for a couple of years at that point. But that was my first Joker card. Death Pop comes out. Still, same excitement. Unfortunately, it subsided a bit. Because, honestly, of how Fearless Fred Fury was very poorly mishandled. That era, to me, is a bit of a dark mark in this deck. Don't get me wrong, some of the stuff is out of their hands. Should I have tried to pre-order from that one site that absolutely failed to deliver... And left a lot of people without their merchandise and their money. Yeah. But even so, it just wasn't the direction that I was looking for, and I remember just being disappointed with that compared to Generation Nightmare, which came out two months later. And it's been quiet for my CP since then. This last month has shown me that even when we think that they're quiet, they do have ideas. It's just a matter of what can actually come about. These streams have shown that they can accomplish a lot of the stuff that they want, as long as they have the time, effort, and honestly, most importantly, the money to do it. In just under two months, we get the fifth card of the second deck. And over the course of the next year, we get three other brand new EPs with it, as well as a compilation of three of them with more songs. I'm excited. I am genuinely excited for what the next year can give us, as long as they keep it on schedule. Am I looking forward to, you know, the other projects that Twisted have, you know, cooked up? Of course. Revelation is going to be the hip-hop album that should come out at the end of this year. We don't know when, but probably going to be announced for or have pre-orders come out on Black Friday. And the rock record is supposed to be out first quarter next year. Definitely looking forward to it. But this might be the first time in a while where I'm really looking forward to what ICP can come up with a little bit more. Should I be mad about that? Should I be pointing a finger at Twisted and saying, well, what are you doing wrong? No, not at all. I'm excited for all of these music groups that I genuinely enjoy that give me a sense of happiness. I'm just happy that we're continuing to get stuff from them at general a level that's very high, they can bounce back from a what I thought was not a great record in Fearless, Fred Fury, and Flip the Rat. And I'm not even saying that those albums are necessarily terrible. I just don't think that they were what I was hoping for. And that's totally different. I try not to have expectations with some of these records because we can't just assume what they're going to sound like the prior offering. Yum Yum Bedlam could be one of the most anticipated projects that I have for my CP. I think I might be more excited for that than I was Fearless Fred Fury, than I was for the Missing Link albums, maybe even Death Pop. Probably not Bang Pop Boom. Because man, was I hyped for that shit. <laughs> and I can only just keep my fingers crossed that they deliver. And this be something that I really enjoy. And I'll tell you this if this becomes my favorite ICP album, great. I think there's a lot of people who cling very, very tightly onto what they consider the favorite. And they think that they can't assume that something else could be better than it, that it's tarnishing the prior thing. Let me tell you something. My favorite Tech Nine album for a very long time was "Everready." It was the first album that I had by him. And some stuff had come close. I thought all sixes and Sevens was pretty close. And then something else came out the album something else and that overtook it since then something else is a bar that i have had set for tech nine that i don't think that he's hit i don't even think that he's at everready again and even under everready are some other projects that wouldn't be what i would consider the more recent stuff I think the K.O.D. is incredible. I think all sixes and sevens is damn good. Special effects is close, but at the same time, something that was, I think, pushed a little too hard and missed the mark. Twisted. I don't know if I had necessarily a favorite album of theirs until Abominations. And nothing touched Abominations or came close. Some stuff came close, but nothing really touched it until Continuous Evolutions. Now, I still think that nowadays Abominations edges it out just a little bit, but Continuous Evolutions is really fucking good. And I'll still prefer that over Generation Nightmare. That's just me. It's not a matter of, this album can't be better than the thing that I like more. It's, if they can accomplish something better than what I like the best, props. That doesn't mean that I can say that an album is less loved by me. I love Abominations, man. I still think that's their best record. But you also have to understand that what we on this show have said could be best is not always necessarily what our favorite is you're allowed to think different on both subjects what your favorite is may not be an artist's best album as long as you can recognize it you can voice that oh this is my favorite album by them you should check them out it may not be what everybody says is that's why we said way back on our Malenko episode that Malenko, while it's not my favorite, I fully understand why people do enjoy it. And it is their best-sounding album and is probably the best representation of what Insane Clown Posse is and what they're about. People, I think, are going to argue between that and Riddlebox, and a lot of people are going to argue that Great Malenko is just the time where most people came on. Are you going to blame those people? It's where they got their most exposure. But getting off of that, ICP, for what they charge for their Patreon streams, and for me only having seen a handful of them, I think they delivered. I look forward to the sweet little gift bag that I'm getting. No idea when that's actually coming out, but who knows when these songs were going to get recorded. So who knows when they'll get the CDs pressed. But I look forward to that. Should be noted that there is talk of them doing this again in December. They paused the payments for the Patreon, so no one's getting charged for November. So they'd said before that you don't have to try and cancel it, you won't be charged once it rolls over to November. So there's talk that they might do something similar to this in December, leading up to Big Ballas. And you know what? If they do something similar, If we get something else, especially adding something physical into it, I think that helps sweeten the deal for a lot of people. I'm game for it. Let's fucking go. ICP have had to innovate and change their stuff up pretty much their entire careers. Yes, they have to keep some things the same in order to appease the people who have come on, but if they did literally the exact same thing over and over again, people would eventually get tired of it. This was something out of their comfort zone, and even though it didn't go off without a hitch, it worked, and it was fun. I'm all for this. I look forward to seeing what we're going to get in the next year from ICP. You'll hear me talk about it all the time. We have so much stuff to get excited for, to look forward to. Is everything going to hit? Probably not. Fingers crossed that they will, but who knows. I think that's all. After a sweet two-hour-plus solo episode of me just rambling on and on and on with not a whole lot of silence, you know, Aside from freak show. I said this was going to be a long one. I meant it. That said, thank you guys, as always, for checking out Juggalo Judgment and for checking out my solo stuff on Mike Check. As always, feel free to hit us up, whether it's on the Juggalo Judgment socials, Juggalo Judgment pretty much everywhere, or hitting me up personally. You can hit me up on Twitter at MikeSpawnSEJ. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at Straight Edge Juggalo. Got no problem talking to anybody. I love chatting about this shit. Whether we've talked about it before or you and I have never spoken, hit me up. I love talking about this stuff. And as long as I'm not busy with like work or whatever or sleeping, I'll make time for it. I promise. <laughs> That's all I got for everybody. So again, thank you for listening. Stay safe. Peace out, y'all.